0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. That's in the Minor Prophets. If you Uh, cannot find it, just listen. Uh, If you get to the book of Nahum and take a right-hand turn, you'll be there. Or if you get to Zephaniah and take a left-hand turn, you'll find it. Uh, But one way or another, we're in the book of Habakkuk tonight, and we're in chapter 3. We're looking at the closing verses of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 17. Habakkuk says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Our text for this hour comes from the writings of the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a contemporary of men like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zephaniah. These men preached and prophesied in troublesome times. Judah was facing invasion by the mighty Babylonian empire under the direction of Nebuchadnezzar. Their days were numbered. We would say the handwriting was on the wall. They were living on borrowed time. What had brought about this great tragedy? What had brought this once great nation to such a state? We could answer with one word. The answer is sin. Truly righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And Habakkuk describes the situation that was prevalent in Judah in chapter number one and verse number four. He says the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. If I could paraphrase it for you tonight and put it in our modern terminology, Habakkuk says the law is paralyzed, it is unresponsive, and righteous judgment doesn't happen. Could I say to you tonight that the law always becomes paralyzed in a permissive society as we can clearly see by looking around at our own nation tonight. A permissive society redefines sin. Today, a drunkard is an alcoholic. A thief is a kleptomaniac. A murderer is a victim of society. Adultery is merely having an affair. Sodomy is an alternative lifestyle. And the one who murders unborn children is a healthcare giver. Sins that would have outraged our forefathers are now accepted in the name of tolerance. And as citizens, too many Christians have sat on the sidelines as our nation has followed the alluring call of progressivism. The absolute standards of morality mandated by God's law have given place to relative morality which accommodates wickedness. The wholesale slaughter of babies by abortion is condoned on the grounds of a woman's right to choose. Pornography flourishes under the guise of freedom of the press. Syndicated crime, drug trafficking, prostitution, child abuse, political corruption, and a blind foreign policy all contribute to the growing moral weakness of our nation. Such was the society in which Habakkuk lived. Notice his conclusion here in chapter number 1 and verse number 4. He said, For the wicked doth compass about the righteous... Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. In other words, he said the wicked outnumber and outvote the righteous. And therefore, there is no righteousness to be legislated. No wonder their nation was headed for disaster. And God began to reveal to Habakkuk what lay in store for Judah. In chapter number one and verse number five, Down through verse number 11, God begins to explain to Habakkuk that the Babylonians are coming. The sound of their feet can be heard. The dark clouds uh, approach on the horizon. Then in verses 12 through 17, Habakkuk responds to God with an argument. Habakkuk says, now God, I know that we're wicked. I know that Judah has done wrong. I know that we have strayed from you. But God The Babylonians are even more wicked than we are. How in the world can you allow someone who has gone into sin to a further degree than we have to judge us? And then in chapter number two, he sets down and he says in verse number one, I will watch and see what he will say unto me. He says, now God, I've given you a question I'm interested in seeing how you're going to answer this question. And in chapter number two, verse number two, and the Lord answered me and said, can I say God will always answer? Now, it may not be the answer you want to hear, but God will always answer. And God begins to give Habakkuk the answer. Now, by the way, notice what Habakkuk's response was to the answer. In chapter three, in verse number two, he said, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. We go down to verse number 16. He says, when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. Can I say the response that Habakkuk had to the answer that God gave him? He was troubled. He's uncertain. It seems like things are Horrible. You say, why is his response so negative? Because in verse number 17, we find that Judah is facing a terrible future. The fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, the field shall yield no meat, the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Fruit is going to fail, fields will be barren, flocks are going to be destroyed, But I want you to notice verse number 18. Yet. Yet. God has just painted a horrible picture. God has just described a very negative future, a time of darkness, a time of suffering. If you wanna know how bad that time was, go read the book of Lamentations. As the Babylonians swept in and destroyed Jerusalem, and took captive Judah and burned the temple and destroyed everything that the people of God had. And God says, this is what is going to happen. This is the consequence of sin. Habakkuk says, makes me tremble on the inside. Makes my lips quiver. As I think of the awful judgment that is approaching It makes me want to collapse. Rottenness has entered my bones. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. You see, that's a triumphant faith. Can I say to you, in the day and age in which we live, in the uncertain times through which we now pass, what we need are some people of God with a triumphant faith. What is triumphant faith? Habakkuk describes it for us in our text this evening. Could I say to you, I believe that triumphant faith is characterized by, number one, a determination to rise above the situation. God tells Habakkuk about the situation. He paints a bleak picture. And Habakkuk responds by saying, yet. Although all of these things are going to come to pass, Although all of these bad things are going to take place, yet I'm going to rise above the situation. Although things are bad, though judgment is coming, though the days ahead look dark, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Could I say tonight, you and I ought to make a determination that the circumstances are not going to control our lives. The days may be dark and the times may be difficult and the way ahead may be dangerous, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. We make a determination that conditions are not going to crush our spirit. The storms may come, the waves of sorrows may roll over us, the scorners may shoot out their lip and ridicule us, yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation." We should make a determination that crises will not corrode our faith. Could I just say this? A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Your faith is proven in the test. We like to think that we have faith until God begins to test our faith. And then it reveals to us really how shallow and how weak our faith truly is. Could I just report to you tonight that God is not dead In fact, he's not even sick. I just talked to him a little while ago and he's not even feeling bad. I mean, everything's all right. God is still in control. And we must learn to say that though the waves of sorrow uh, come over us, yet we're gonna trust God. The agony of suffering from a physical malady may come upon us, yet we're gonna trust God. The disappointment of a setback may face us, yet we're gonna trust God. The difficulty of some strife that arises may come, yet we're going to trust God. The hurt of a separation when someone walks away may afflict us, but we are going to trust God. Yet, yet, yet all of these things may come, yet my hope is in God. I will trust in Him. First of all, there is a determination to rise above the situation. Could I say to you, secondly, tonight a triumphant faith is characterized by decision to rejoice in the sovereign. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, Habakkuk has more than just a determination to survive. He makes a decision to sing. It's more than just a commitment to rise. He makes a choice to rejoice. Now, I want you to notice some things about this decision that are very interesting to me. First of all, it's a personal decision. He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Could I just say tonight that no one else can make that choice but you? I have to make the choice for me, and you must make the choice for you. Habakkuk may have looked around and said, I'm not sure what Jeremiah is going to do. I don't know how Ezekiel is going to handle the news. I'm not sure what Zephaniah's response is going to be. But I've made up my mind. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. You have to make up your mind. You can't depend on what everybody else is going to do, how everybody else is going to respond. It must be a personal choice that you will rejoice in the Lord. Notice not only was it a personal decision, it was a positive decision. He said, I will not maybe, not I'll try, not I know I should, but he said, I'm gonna do it. I will rejoice in the Lord. Here's what I've discovered in life. Generally, we do what we want to do. If you want to do something bad enough, you'll figure out how to make it happen. I mean, if you want a new car, you'll, you'll work until you can figure out how to make that happen. You may have to go so deep in debt you can't see, you may have to mortgage your house, you may have to forego some other things, but if you want a new car, you'll figure out how to get a new car. If you want a vacation, you may be in debt up to your eyeballs, but you'll figure out how to mortgage something else or borrow a bag or steal from somebody so that you can go on vacation because you feel that you deserve it. We do what we want to do. Can I just say Habakkuk made up his mind? He said, I, I, I just made up my mind. I will rejoice in the Lord. You know what? It was more than just a personal and positive decision. It was a passionate decision. Notice what he says. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, you know that word rejoice. You go look it up when you get home tonight. I guess you're at home, aren't you? You can look it up wherever you're at, whenever you get the opportunity But you'll discover that it means more than just being happy. It means more than just having a smile on your face. Literally, that word rejoice means to jump for joy. Habakkuk said in the midst of all this trouble, in the midst of all this difficulty, in the midst of all this bad news, I just made up my mind, I'm going to raise up my hands, I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to praise God and I'm going to rejoice in Him because God has everything under control. You see, Harold Zeitler put it this way, he said anybody can shout on Sunday, but if you can't shout on Monday when the car won't start or when the clothesline breaks, you don't have anything. Can I say to you, it's easy for us to shout when everything's going well, when the money's coming in and uh, the bank account is full and uh, the church house is open and services are going and everything's going according to our plans and everything is smooth. Uh, it's easy to shout in, but when trouble comes and difficulty comes and you and I can rejoice in the Lord, that's what proves to the world that we have something they do not have. We have a faith that abides eternal. You see, it was a personal decision, a positive decision, a passionate decision, but it was a proper decision. Why could he say, I will rejoice in the Lord, I'll joy in the God of my salvation? Well, first of all, it's proper, we rejoice in the Lord because he reigns. Can I just say tonight, God is still on the throne. I mean, he's not weak, he's not weary, he's not worn, he's not worried by what's going on. God still has everything under control, and we belong to him. This didn't surprise God. This virus that came about didn't take God by surprise. He wasn't unaware of what was coming down the road. He knew it before it ever happened. Somebody said, it has ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? God. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end and he will see us through. God reigns and we can rejoice in that fact. By the way, not only does he reign, but he's right. I I like this verse, Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. If God allowed this to come to us, if God allowed this adversity to sweep across our nation, If God allowed our churches and our Christians to face some difficulties, it's because God has a plan and God has a purpose. God has a reason behind it. And what God has done, he has rightly done. Let's not question him. Let's not argue. Let's not get mad. Let's not blow up and pout because things aren't going our way. Instead of trying to say how quickly can we get out of this, why don't we say, God, what can I get out of this? What are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to lead me? I'm just going to rejoice in you because I know you've allowed this to come and you're always right and you're on the throne and I'm going to trust you tonight. Not only does he reign and not only is he right, but I just want to remind you tonight that God regards Psalm 106 and verse 44, he regarded their afflictions when he heard their cry. You know, sometimes we get the idea or somehow we get the feeling that God doesn't really care. What can it mean? Is it ought to him that the, day, the nights are long and the days are dim? Can he be troubled by the griefs I bear which sadden the heart and whiten the hair? About his throne are eternal calms and strong glad music of happy psalms, and bliss unruffled by any strife, how can he care for my little life? And yet I want him to care for me while I live in this world where the sorrows be, when the lights die down from the path I take, and when strength is feeble and friends forsake, when love and music that once did bless have left me to silence and loneliness, And my life song changes to a sobbing prayer. Then my heart cries out for the God who cares. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Oh, we can rejoice. It's a proper decision. You see a faith that is triumphant is characterized by determination to rise above the situation yet. It's characterized by decision to rejoice in the sovereign. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And then could I say it's characterized by a dependable resource for the saint. Look at verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. Could I just say to you, here is our resource in difficult days, the Lord God. When David, remember David, went out to battle and he came back and he found the city of Ziklag had been looted, uh, had been plundered, all of his family had been taken away. and They even rose up against David and spake of stoning him. How did David respond? The Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. When Paul was writing from prison, he takes his pen in hand and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says rejoice in the Lord. Could I say when Paul and Silas were in jail, the Bible says at midnight they sang praises unto God. Could I just tell you the best thing you could do is turn off the news and pick up your Bible. You see, this is what builds our faith. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can't depend on what other people are saying. We can't worry about what their perspective is or what their understanding is. We can't worry about all of the uh, speculation that flies about, uh, all of the uh, amazing and interesting things that seem to come out of nowhere. Can I tell you, I've got something sure that I can depend upon. I've got a book and I've got a God that I can rest in. I can trust and I can know that he will lead me aright. He said, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places. The hind or the deer was a very sure-footed uh, animal and, and those feet that he had enabled him to move safely through difficult terrain and can i say our faith in god will enable us to move safely through the difficult terrain that we find ourselves in in these days oh let me close by saying as i read these words i thought about william cowper We know him best as the writer of the song There is a fountain filled with blood Drawn from Emmanuel's veins He was a friend of John Newton William Cowper Cowper suffered from acute mental distress and illness Several times he attempted suicide In fact, uh, as I understand it John Newton took William Cowper into his own home So that he could watch over him and care for him In his times of mental anguish Lest he would take his own life And yet as he read the words that Habakkuk penned in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18, William Cowper penned these words. Though the vine nor fig tree neither, their wanted fruits should bear. Though all the fields should wither, nor flocks nor herds be there. Yet God the same abiding His praise shall tune my voice for while in him confiding I cannot but rejoice. Can I say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. John reminds us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. May God give us a triumphant faith in these dark hours.